On today's episode of The Door Report, presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring, former Vanderbilt defensive lineman Dare Odangbo joins the pod. He's the older brother of Dio Odangbo, who is potentially going to go high in the NFL draft. So we talk about that, his potential in the NFL. We also touch on Sarah Fuller, the status of the Vanderbilt football team, and whether or not they will play these final two games against Tennessee and Georgia. We've got all that with breaking news, Vanderbilt basketball not playing against SMU, and the sad news about Joe Fisher as well. We've got all that and much more coming up here on The Door Report. Let's ride. Welcome into another episode of The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast in Music City. We are presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day and get your job started today by logging on to alacohardwoodflooring.com or you can email the founder, Jimmy Alaco. That's jimmyalaco at comcast.net. They are located right here in Nashville, Tennessee, so it's nice and easy for the locals. You can call 615 356 0303, that's 615-356-0303. Alaco Hardwood Flooring, perfect floors, whatever your style. Before we get to today's breaking news and our interview with Dario Dangbo, former Vanderbilt defensive lineman, it's now time to turn it over to Will Byram for a few words on the Recycling Dudes. You may ask, who are the Recycling Dudes? Well, they are brothers, Graydon and Chapman, and their dad, Drew Smith, who is a Metro Nashville firefighter. Living in West Mead, the Recycling Dudes recognized a need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment. They pick up your glass, separate it, and take it to be recycled. They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup. They have a variety of service levels to fit every budget and every need, starting as low as $10 per month. All you have to do is sign up on their website at RecyclingDudes.com. Welcome back into The Door Report. It is episode 54. It is December 4th on a Friday afternoon here in Nashville. Will Byram and I are both here in Nashville, and we are, as always, presented by the great folks at Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Will, the Vandy-Georgia game is no longer happening on Saturday. I'm sure a lot of Vandy fans are happy about it, and I know a lot of Georgia fans are not happy about it. So, uh, first off, Will, how you doing? Uh, not a whole lot to talk about now that that game's canceled. Yeah, there's postponed, a whole, rather. Yeah, postponed. Let's, let's get that one. But uh, there's a whole lot to talk about, a lot of headlines, but there's not a lot of things to analyze and not really any depth into a lot of these things that we're going to be discussing today. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, but the beef of this podcast is is our interview with Dario Dangbo, uh, the former Vanderbilt D-Lime, and really nice conversation with him, just jumping into um, just a lot of what's going on with Vanderbilt football right now. Uh, we'll talk about basketball. We'll also uh, touch on a sad story that I think a lot of Vanderbilt fans are, are, are still feeling down about. But before we get to breaking news, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Also, while you're at it, go give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. All right, Will, we touched on it at the top. Vanderbilt, Georgia, no longer happening. And 
it seems like Adam Sparks uh, had a really funny tweet today. He said he's going to take today off, and then boom, he, he gets a, another piece of news with Vandy, Georgia, uh, getting canceled. Obviously, Todd Fitch, he wasn't even sure if he was going to have enough players to field a team. And, I, you know, we saw all this coming. It's a little late and unfortunate for Georgia because this was uh, going to be their uh, senior night. Uh, so obviously unfortunate for them, but Vanderbilt simply, they, could, they don't have enough players. I mean, it's, it's, it's as simple as that. They, they can't really, they can't feel the team right now. Yeah. I think the 41, nothing lost to Missouri is unfortunately the last time that we're going to see Vanderbilt on the football field in 2020. Could it, it be? It's, it's also bizarre. They, they rescheduled the Tennessee, Texas A&M game for December 12th. And then preliminary rescheduling put Georgia Vanderbilt December 19th. They're just acting like the Tennessee Vanderbilt game just doesn't exist. And you would think on both sides, first, Vanderbilt obviously wants to play Tennessee. It's their in-state rival. And secondly, you would think Tennessee would really want to play Vanderbilt, considering that they may, without that Vanderbilt game, end the season on seven straight losses with Florida and Texas A&M. They don't want to do that. The remaining games outside of Vanderbilt. Yeah, no way they want to do that. <laughs> but for Vandy, like, you know, you want to play that game, right? Like you want to be able to play Tennessee. I don't know about Georgia, but you know, you want to be able to play that in-state rival and get that game in. And you, you talked about it. Will. they're scheduled to play Tennessee December 12th in Knoxville uh, and the Georgia in Knoxville, correct? Or No, they, they are not scheduled. They actually scheduled that Tennessee Texas A&M game for December 12th oh, before, wow. before the news announced that the Vanderbilt game was being postponed. So my assumption on that, when I saw it, I didn't put anything out on it, but when I saw they rescheduled, uh, Tennessee, Texas A&M for December 12th is, well, Vanderbilt season is done. <laughs> that means that they have no inkling that they're going to be able to reschedule Vanderbilt, Tennessee for that date of December 12th. That's why I'm saying I, I pretty much think Vanderbilt season is over. Well, and will I, I would agree, but also if Florida were to lose down the stretch here, I doubt it. If Florida were to lose, Georgia would have to have that Vanderbilt game um, to win – uh, well, theoretically, potentially not, but the rescheduled game is for December 19th as of right now. So, um, you know, as much as their talk is about Vanderbilt ending their season, it could be where Vanderbilt doesn't play until the 19th against Georgia, um, as long as neither team is in the SEC title game. Um, so uh, we, we, Georgia could still make it, but obviously Florida is the pick right now. Uh, so we'll continue to keep up with that. Vanderbilt, Georgia, no longer happening. Another game that's no longer happening is Vanderbilt and SMU. That was supposed to be played uh, next Tuesday night it was supposed to be Vanderbilt's return to action no longer uh, so Memorial Gym will not uh, welcome SMU the Mustangs to town and now will we they turn to NC Central uh, on Friday night and hoping that game gets in what a mess college basketball is yeah, yeah the college basketball it just seems to continue to get worse and worse and we touched on it last podcast on episode 40 or 53 why that is with the unique situation that that basketball having such a small roster and another thing we didn't talk about on that is the nature of basketball is not like football or baseball. You can't separate position groups. You can't mm -hmm. separate guys because basketball is the most fluid uh, position mm -hmm. groups of any sport. So these guys are constantly having to be in the same area with each other at all times. So that combined with uh, being in close proximity indoors constantly and having that limited roster size, college basketball is in for a mess. Yeah, and you're, it's not the NBA. You're not, you know, you're not 32 teams. This is the NCAA, you know, D2, D3 also, NAIA. 
you know, you can't put every team into one bubble. Uh, mm-hmm. So right now the teams are really struggling, you know, ever, all across the country with scheduling and, you know, just getting these games in. And that's the most important thing. Um, so I think a lot of the local teams are going to be of importance because Vanderbilt, you know, if they need to get a game scheduled, you got MTSU there, you got Belmont, you got Lipscomb. So I think Stackhouse is aware of that. And, and hopefully Vanderbilt is able to play Friday night against NC Central. We'll continue to keep an eye on that though. Will we, um, Boy, what a what a striking uh, story to wake up to a couple days ago with Joe Fisher, uh, the voice of the Commodores, the golden voice. You know, I think he's been referred to. Um, he put a string of tweets, a thread of tweets uh, on his account a couple. Uh, it was actually yesterday, uh, December 3rd, yesterday. And here's here's how it read. He said, in quote, I've had the honor of being the voice of the Commodores for 23 years. Recently, I went on the air representing Vanderbilt at a time when I should not have. It was unacceptable to me and to the university. I write this to tell you two things. First, as of this morning, yesterday morning, I'm checking myself into a rehab facility to address an issue I've struggled with for a long time. As a result, I will be off the grid and out of pocket for a while. Second, I've resigned my position at Vanderbilt effective immediately. And Will, this is something that you know I didn't expect to wake up to uh, being a, a really a childhood hero for me and someone that you know, you turn the game on the radio and you just expect to hear his clear, smooth voice coming through the airwaves and, and definitely prayers out to him, his family and everyone supporting him because, you know, we want him back. Uh, but we also want him to, to figure things out and, 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 and take care of himself. So definitely thoughts and prayers to him. I don't know if there's anyone or, or anything more synonymous with Vanderbilt than Joe Fisher. When I think of Vanderbilt, no. And I, and I watch old games or see old highlights. I, even when the TV announcers are the ones on the broadcast, I think of how Joe Fisher called that. Mm-hmm. And he had some legendary calls, whether it's the John Norwood home run in 20 Out of the house. Uh, or, or any of the many football or, or basketball calls that he had. But he, he was the play, play-by-play for 23 years, so my entire life. Um, and, and it's just saddening news. And, if 2020, and as if 2020 couldn't get any worse, um, you're losing definitely not even close my favorite play-by-play or announcer media uh, person in, in the country. So it, it's it's a really sad story, but but he's in our thoughts and prayers and his family as well, and, and hopefully he can get the help that he needs. Yeah, no doubt about that. And, and again, Tim Corbin even tweeted something out, a whole letter. Uh, so I encourage all of you to go out and read that as well on his account. Um, and Joe Fisher just is really, you know, you mentioned it, synonymous with Vanderbilt Athletics. And my favorite call is, you know, I don't even remember this game, but 2005, the streak is over. And yep. that's that's almost like the most excited, I think, going back and listen to him, most excited I think he might have ever been. Uh, there's a lot of other great plays, but that that's really yeah, we'll, what comes we'll, to mind. We'll have another – I have another one that if, if you want a, another highlight to listen to is in 2016 when uh, Vanderbilt upset Tennessee mm-hmm. uh, when they had the champion yeah. of life going on, and, and he gets on there and – Right after Alvin Kamara steps out of bounds, he says, and they may be the self-proclaimed champions of life, but they're not champions of this state. And, <laughs> yeah. and that's probably my number one favorite call from Joe Fisher. And that's probably watch. that's probably the first time he's thrown some shade, too, because he's a great guy. Get, yeah, you usually don't see him get a, get fired up like that yeah. on the broadcast. And he also, another knows. one, when Vanderbilt beat Georgia, I think it was 2015, the Zach Cunningham tackle, he said, every dog has his day. Well, actually, that, that I think that was the one at home when they beat Georgia. Uh, in 2013 so get them mixed up 
Um, you know, don't be Georgia every day, but when you do, Joe Fisher obviously pumped up. But uh, wow, just what a what a sad story. And, and again, our, our prayers, thoughts and prayers are with him, his family, and and really hope he can uh, get back, you know, to his normal, uh, you know, get back to wherever he needs to be in terms of, you know, getting, getting, being able to potentially call Vanderbilt games again. We don't know, but again, thoughts and prayers with him. Well, head coaching search is, is, you know, where's the Ingram jet right now? Do you have an Ingram jet update for me? Augusta, Georgia, yeah, right? It was down in Augusta, Georgia. So either playing <laughs> golf or, or looking in down there, but the, we're going to uh, bring in Dustin Johnson. <laughs> what was yeah, that? Bill? I think we're going to bring in Dustin Johnson uh, yeah. with the looks of Augusta, Georgia, but, uh, but yeah, there's not a whole lot to talk about on the head coaching search side of things with, um, you know, some more candidates have kind of been located and, and, and searched around. Uh, Charles Huff is a name. Alabama's running backs coach is, is a name that's been floated out there. Uh, but again, we'll, we'll continue to mo- kind of monitor that. And, and, and um, you know, because Will, it's, you could argue this is a, this could like change the course of the university, you know, it could change the course of the athletic department with who they hire. Yeah, football plays such such a major key role in athletics in general, but football specifically. Um, I think the university for a long time is viewed, they're obviously an elite academic institution, and they want to maintain that commitment to be on the cutting edge of academics and medical technology and incredible medical school there. And, and I think the administration has kind of viewed athletics in a bad light when in all actuality it needs to be viewed the other direction this is the most public advertising and brand awareness campaign that you could possibly have is an sec football program i mean look at alabama yeah exactly and right now vanderbilt's marketing campaign from that perspective is horrible um they're on the cutting edge of all technology except sports and they're viewing this from the bad perspective i don't want to compare alabama to vanderbilt obviously they're very different um, but just to keep in mind for people how much attention Saban brought to Alabama when he arrived there. Mm. From an article in Forbes written a few years ago, in 2007 when Saban arrived, Alabama's enrollment was 25,580. By 2017, that number had increased to 38,563, um, with only 41% of that incoming freshman class being from the state of Alabama, which mm. is mind-boggling when you consider that that's, that's a crazy. state institution with which usually those numbers are around 75, 80% in state students. Mm-hmm. So that is an example of what a successful SEC football program can do for the university as a whole, just that national recognition and increased excitement around that university for the full college experience. And I, yeah, obviously that's Alabama, but still that's, that's a prime example of, you know, I don't know if it's had the same effect as, as Vanderbilt baseball, you know, I don't know, but probably a little bit, but I mean, 25,000 to uh, 38,000 in the span of what, 10 years is, is crazy. Um, so, you know, looking at that, that's kind of um, how much of an impact it can have in your new university because Vanderbilt, they, I don't know if they realize how much football could affect their university. You know, because you look at it, the success Franklin had at Vanderbilt, that put eyes on Vanderbilt that, you know, from people that one might not have ever heard about Vanderbilt or two never thought of Vanderbilt as being a football school and saying, hey, they're in Nashville, they're in the SEC and they have a damn good football team. I'm going to check that out. You know, I want to go and witness that and, and, and be a part of that. So great point there, Will. And, and again, uh, that's why we talk about the energy with this Dex head coach, you know, 
finding a way to bring that excitement back. We talked about it with Barton um, and he, he talked a great bit about that, just bringing that excitement back, finding ways. Um, so again, definitely we'll, we'll keep an eye on the coaching search. Uh, but right now we're going to turn our attention to Dare Odangbo, the former Vanderbilt Commodore. Obviously his little brother, Dio Odangbo is still at Vanderbilt hoping uh, to get drafted in the NFL draft. He likely will. It depends on where, uh, but will we, we got a mama O shout out. Uh, Vanderbilt fans are really going to enjoy this one. Yeah, it was a great conversation with Dari, somebody that maybe you don't hear from as much, but had an ex- had a great career at Vanderbilt and was the part and was a part of some really successful teams. And he, we kind of dive into everything from mispronouncing his last name uh, over the PA announcers in high school to Mama O on Twitter. A shout out to Mama O there; she got no talked doubt. about quite a bit in there. Um, and then we go into kind of Derek Mason, how Dari got there, how Dio mm-hmm. got there. So it, it's a really good conversation. No doubt. It was really fun to talk to him and and, and reconnect. Uh, he had his Vanderbilt sweatshirt on, so he's definitely still repping Vanderbilt, living in Texas. So uh, coming right up, Dario Dangbo, former Vanderbilt defensive lineman, here on the Door Report. Dare Odangbo, the former Vanderbilt Commodore, the three-star recruit from Irving, Texas, now joins the Door Report. He played under Coach Mason from 2015 to 2018. And just some of his stats, I know you know Vanderbilt fans really miss seeing you on, on the field, Dare. 96 tackles, <laughs> 21 and a half tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks. You had the best statistical season being in 2017 with career highs, six and a half sacks. Uh, 13 and a half tackles for loss, 39 tackles. And, you know, obviously great career at Vanderbilt. And then you initially signed with Tampa Bay as a rookie free agent and then a stint also with the Bengals who claimed you off waivers. We'll talk a lot more about that a little bit later. But Dari, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, what you been up to, big man? Hey, I'm just glad to be here. Uh, you know, not a lot, not a lot going on these days, you know, the whole pandemic and everything. But, you know, staying in, in tune with uh, what's going on in Nashville much as you can and then you know just living up and back in Dallas these days so just hanging out and stuff and living my living the best life that I can right now so you're back home in Dallas um I want to get a question in real quick here um do you miss Nashville at all of course I mean (laughs) it's a fantastic city like there's so much to do so much to see and then you know made some of my best friends there and they're still up there so whenever I can get back in town it's always a great time and then just so many great memories being up there in Nashville and on West End. Yeah, Dory, thanks for joining us here. Before we get into some of the more, there's been a ton of news around Vanderbilt. Before we get into some of the more serious topics, got a couple, couple less serious questions for you. So I played yeah. sports my, my whole life growing up, and uh, my last name is pretty simple, Byram. Uh, B-Y-R-U-M, pronounced exactly how it is spelled, and I cannot tell you how many times it's been horribly mispronounced. Um, much less with your you and your brother's last name. So, do you have do you have any in particular that stick out in your mind as being funny, or at this point, if they all just kind of ran together? Um, oh man, uh, I think the worst one I've heard was probably an away game in high school, and I don't know if the announcers had it mis- misspelled or something, but it was something like like Obangbo or something like that, <laughs> and I was just like. You know, they're, they're, they're trying their best up there. I, I'm not going to say, what can you say at that point? But, you know, there's there's been some pretty bad ones over the years. But I think the last last couple of years, we were pretty down pat. You haven't heard that many people mispronounce it. Got to give credit to the Vandy PA guy for that one, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, and also your mom commonly referred to and fondly referred to as Mama O on Twitter. Yeah. 
Um, yep, has made yep. quite the presence on on Vanderbilt's fan base and on their Twitter. And I think she was actually voted as like the best Vanderbilt Twitter account in some big bracket tournament thing. Yeah, she's got to be. But um, that that's been something really awesome to kind of watch Vanderbilt's fan base kind of welcome her in with open arms, and she's kind of ran with it. So when we've seen a little bit of that with Robert Seals, the father of. Ken Seals on Twitter, but how is that while you've been playing and, and kind of for you and your brother and then now that you've been out of it and seeing the continued support from from Vanderbilt? I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, you know, you don't expect that much um, coming from a fan base and uh, my parents are both immigrants, so they don't know um, a whole bunch coming into like the football scene, the college football scene. So everything, I was basically an, an experiment for everyone in the family. Um, and but seeing them welcoming her home with open arms and seeing how much love and support she's gotten from the fan base and even how much kind of like weird respect they have for her, you know, because <laughs> she's always been an out, very outspoken, outspoken, outspoken person in our lives. So seeing that transfer and being appreciated to the, the Vanderbilt fan base and then the kind of, you know, just, you know, accepting it has been really cool. And then we've met a lot of great people through that. And we have a lot of, she has a lot of friends in the fan base um as well so it's great to see that how it all came kind of a full circle where like you know me and my brother inside of the school made so many great connections and then her with her fan base made so many great connections seeing how um you know there's so many great people a part of this program whether they're a part of it or just fans of it um it sometimes get, gets lost with all the the bad press that you get for you know not the best seasons but how many great people have been a part of um vanderbilt um fan base and the vanderbilt organization is really um something you really get to smile about when you really think about it. Yeah, you mentioned the family atmosphere at Vanderbilt that, that it seems like Coach Mason has kind of created, obviously, with your brother Dio there and, and so many others that, that you know, have siblings there. When he was recruiting you, you know, you played from 2015, 2018. So, you, you know, you've been there. Coach Mason is your guy, and he, he has great yeah. relationships with so many of, of, of his players. Did he, did he pitch that uh, in about, you know, did he mention kind of that family atmosphere? And, and what are some of the other things that, that helped lure you to, to Nashville? Because I know you were probably a big help in getting Dio to Nashville too. Yeah. Um, I mean, I speak on my journey. I, um, our whole thing, uh, like growing up was about getting a great education and like the football stuff came later in life, like late into high school. So what drew me to Vanderbilt initially was obviously the great education. And I was actually part of the first recruiting class. So that was the year, like the transition year between, um, I was the first recruiting, full recruiting class for Coach Mason. Yeah. So it was super new, super get your foot in the door. Um, and actually uh, got hit up first by uh, Coach Bankins, mm -hmm. who I believe I'm – I know where it was, um, but he's still coaching. I was out there, but yeah. Um, but they, you know, hit me up, and I wanted to go there because it's such a great university and such a great city. And you're playing the SEC, so it's kind of that you know perfect storm of you're competing at the best in every kind of you know facet. And then um, you met you meet guys at the camp, so that's why I first met Josh Smith. Um, yeah, whose older brother also played the program. And then getting into the program, um, you know, it's not all the glitz and glamour that other SEC, SEC schools might have. So it's a lot of like, you know, you got to have a different kind of mentality coming in. You know, you're always going to be, you know, looked down upon because you're, you know, Vanderbilt or whatever. And you, you're this and you're that. So it's a lot of guys that you come in with that are like, 
you know, we, we're all we got as much as, you mm-hmm. know, you want the fans on your side, they're not going to be on your, on your side, um, you know, 24 seven, that's across the country. So, you know, it's really, we're, we're all we got, we believe in each other, we're trusting each other. Um, and I'm just, like, even in, within our, in our um, recruiting class, the 2019 class, we, we all still talk all the time and we still have our, our group me going and we're, we're really guys that bonded over those four years um, over being that first class. And then, you know, going through the highs and lows of every season, you kind of, uh, you learn a lot about each other really quick. And then that really builds up, you know, the family outside of the family kind of aspect. And then even having actual brothers on the team really adds to that. So you got guys that really know the ins and out of each other and then guys that have been together their whole lives. And then at some point you all just kind of mesh into one big family. You got to earn everything at Vanderbilt. I thought that was interesting how you, how you mentioned that, you know, you got to you make things tough on him. And that was kind of a, a, call, a calling card uh, for your teams this year, though, uh, Dari, you know, you're with your brother still there being a, a great, you know, top notch NFL draft prospect season's obviously been, you know, tougher than they thought. Um, I think going into this season, we all knew it was going to be a little bit tougher for Vanderbilt, not having any non-conference games. Uh, but yeah. at this point, you know, with the news, um, coming out with Sarah Fuller. Uh, what was your initial reaction when you looked, you know, opened your, turned your phone on, opened your laptop, whatever, and you saw that news? What, what came to your mind first and what were some of the thoughts that, that you started kind of circulating around? Oh, for like the Mizzou game? or just Yeah, yeah, before the Missouri game, you know, you saw the headline a few days before. What, what were the thoughts? You know, what were kind of the first things you, you thought about? I mean, if it was if I was on a team, like I wouldn't really care. I mean, if they really need, they need a kicker like that bad, obviously you're gonna go um, and get one where you want, where you can. And if she's volunteering for the position, then if she can be of service to the team, they're gonna use her. I personally, I thought it was I thought it was cool. Um, I thought of I didn't think of much as you know her being a girl or the first girl to kick. It's like they need a kicker and. It's just like if, there, if we had a men's team on campus, we'd get a kicker from the soccer team. So we had a soccer team on campus. So, so she came and volunteered to be kicker. And I said, you know, hopefully she has her shot. Because, I mean, I, if they wouldn't put her on the field if they didn't know she could do it. I don't think you just put people out there just to make a statement um, yeah. like that. Um, so I didn't think much of it. I just, you know, hope they, they put a good game plan together, to, you know, going into the game, which unfortunately didn't seem came to pass. But um you know, and this, and during when I first heard it, I was like, oh, that's cool. I guess they really, it's a uh, kind of a crazy, it's like kind of one of those things where it's like, oh, this season just gets even, you know, crazier where mm-hmm. all the kickers got, were put out for protocol. So, but it was, um, it was, it was, a, it was a good, you know, moment to have, it was like, you know, good for her and good for the team for letting her do that. Yeah, no doubt. You know, the fact that, you know, she was able to break history and, and become that first female kicker was 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 definitely special. Uh, but there was a, a lot of controversy surrounding not only, you know, whether or not um, that was the best option, but also um, you took to Twitter about this. I thought it was really striking and I completely agreed with you. Um, you talked about, you know, players leaving. Uh, potentially transferring, whether it's opting out or transferring over an issue like that. Um, with with this season going on right now, obviously it's a unique season, but what 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 about um, you know that this kind of opt out, I guess, culture that is happening right now strikes you and really struck you to tweet that because I'm in agreement with you. I think Will is also that you know what's going on right now in college football obviously is unique, but you know in that locker room there's got to be some sort of integrity. W- would you agree? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, you guys, 
you trust those guys to have your back day in and day out. So like when I was, when my mind was going between that is um, there's, there's obviously so much going on in the program at the time with coach Mason getting fired. And I felt um, it was kind of twofold. I felt people were scapegoating her um, just making pinning all this, like all the bad stuff that's happening around the program on her when it's just a microcosm of the whole season. Um, and then also I think it made the guys that were opting out for like legitimate reasons look, you know, very bad. Um, and I know a lot of, I know a lot of the guys on the team, I might not know some of the guys that opt out, but I know guys that they brought in have a lot more character on, on their side to just, uh, if they're going to opt out, it's opting out for either, you know, coaching reasons or, you know, you know, stuff like, you know, sometimes you just don't like the environment you're in. It wouldn't be for something like just having her on the team like that. Um, so, I mean, I might not know further, like, you know, any, every single personal reason, but I know that the guys on the team have a lot more, you know, for like, you know, character and just kind of um, wouldn't let themselves just be, all right, hope wouldn't just let themselves be just like put, like, you know, put off because of girls on a team, you know, through no fault of her own. So if it's not, if it's not like her fault that they're leaving, it's more that, you know, they might have problems with, you know, Vanderbilt or the coaching staff being gone or, you know, whatever reasons, but it's not on Sarah Fuller to like, you know, make, it's not like her fault that people are leaving or opting out. So I just felt it made those guys paint them in a bad light because for some reason, you know, and then you get like, you know, guys on the internet with takes that just say like, you know, Sarah Fuller is the reason that Vanderbilt football program is the way that it is right now. Not the fact that it's, you know, they were 0 and 7 going into that game and mm-hmm. then 0 and 8 afterwards. And, but so it, it made me feel, you know, some type of way that they were painting, you know, the guys that way and then the program in the same light that um, they would leave over a petty reason like that or, you know, guys come stick it out just because there was like a girl on the team and they felt like they were part of some kind of, you know, press movement when, you know, there was so many other things that you can point to and say, like, these are the reasons people are leaving. So, um, mm-hmm. And I felt like, you know, most people feel like the same way. And like, you know, I talked to my brother on the team and he's like, didn't, you know, I, ta- I asked him about that and he's like, he didn't really know where like, that kind of, you know, logic thing was coming from or what kind of story that was. So I just felt like, you know, I may, might not have phrased in the best way going into it, but I felt like um, it was really just, you know, I was trying to defend my guys and say like, if they're leaving, they're leaving for legitimate, um, mm-hmm. you know, non petty reasons surrounding full, like Sarah. Yeah, so, ben, I mean ben that was, was really my yeah that was my main goal in tweeting that out was to kind of really tell like you know there are really guys on the team that are opting out for that reason I I don't think you'd want to have on your team anyway because yeah. I think those are the guys that would kind of backstab you when things you know they're they're the dudes that like take half plays off and you, you don't want them on your team because that's what makes your team worse in the in the long run so I mean you know people might not agree with that but. You know, that's how I feel. And that's how I know a lot of other guys feel. And that's how, you know, the seniors above me felt, would have uh, felt in my opinion. So, I mean, I'm not going to speak for them, but that's the feeling that I got from them. Yeah, now that we've kind of gotten onto the topic of opt-outs and transfers, v- Vanderbilt has had a lot of those, not even including the rumors of more recent opt-outs that have led to the postponement of the Georgia game from this Saturday to uh, December 19th that just broke earlier about an hour ago before we recorded this. Um, do you think that Vanderbilt will play a game again this season in 2020, 2021? Um, it's hard to say. I think, I think they, 
I think they'll do – I know the guys on the team will do whatever it takes to try and get to the Tennessee game at least. Um, I mean, at this point, I know they've been dealing with a lot of different things, um, like opt-outs and injuries. And, you know, basically every, every, every bad thing that ha- could have happened this season probably happened. Um, in terms of, you know, the pandemic and then injuries going to the season and stuff like that. So uh, it's hard to say. I know they're trying to play the games. Um, I mean, that's really all I can say. I know that they're trying to get to those Saturdays and, you know, finish out. But, I, you know, if the, those games didn't happen, I wouldn't be surprised as well. Yeah, and I also wouldn't be surprised if uh, your little brother Dio doesn't get drafted at least in the first three rounds of the NFL draft. Uh, for him, you know, speak on his career a little bit and 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 kind of his journey that he's taken because you know a brother is a special bond that you have and 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 for you and him playing football, you know, most of your life. Um, what was it like first off playing with him at Vandy, and then you know potentially uh, what kind of a future do you think he might have in the NFL? Yeah. Um... I mean, his journey in getting to Vandy was different from mine. Um, the funny thing about that is I actually didn't recruit him that much. I was like <laughs> more – you probably have more of my mom to thank for him getting to Vanderbilt than me. Mama, I, I, another yeah, reason. So <laughs> I, I, my whole thing was I wanted him to make his own decision and, and his process be his process, and he goes where he wants because that's where he feels wanted. Um but my mom pushed Vanderbilt hard. I said, you know, you know what's up here. You, you know, I've been up here for two years. And, you know, the kind of uh, the things that I've had to do with the people that are around. Because he's been around the program as long as I've there. Because they would come up to games um, whenever he could. Mm. So it was good. To, I obviously wanted him to come. But I wasn't going to be like, you have to come here. This is a place <laughs> for you and stuff like that. And no other options. Like yeah, right. So, but it was when he, when he, you know, signed on signing day, I was ecstatic and I was ready to play with him for two years. And then he comes in and, you know, starts, you know, a good amount didn't start, but plays a good amount as a freshman. And then seeing him develop from his freshman to sophomore year was, was great. Cause I, you know, see, you know, the length and the strength that he has and his ability to dominate play in and play out is something I was really excited to see develop and how far he came in from his freshman to sophomore year was exciting for me being a senior just because I know um, what kind of guy he was and um, and then you know the 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 determination and you know fervor that he plays with and then me graduating then being to come back and see him play um, his junior and a little bit of his senior year seeing the kind of leader he turned into um, the guy that still that everyone looks to um, you know to anchor the defense and then anchor the team in general um, was you know, really a blessing to see because, you know, for me, that's always my little brother. That's always the kid I grew up with that, you know, uh, annoyed me to any end and had, you know, zero head on his shoulders. Didn't really think about what he did um, going in. And then you can ask people in the program going into his freshman and sophomore year. He's kind of a, kind of a knucklehead to say the least, but um, seeing that, seeing, you know, the kind of man he's turned into and the, the leader he is what he means to that team right now is, um, you know, really, really uh, a testament to how hard he's worked and the things that we always saw in him just, you know, maybe it took a little longer to get out, but he's a, a great kid and he's grown to a great young man. And we're all really proud of him over at our house. So we touched on, on Dio and, and kind of how he got there. And before we get into your opinion on the head coaching search that everybody is talking mm-hmm. about constantly, 
Uh, we kind of want to go back into into your career for a quick question. What what are some of your favorite in game moments that that kind of jump to the forefront of your mind and and kind of take us through those? Um, I mean, you know, every every in conference win is something special because they're just so hard, um, difficult to come by. Just playing this league and the athletes that come out of it year in and year out. So, I mean, like, you know, senior year, beating Tennessee that's the third for the third time in a row. And then that same year, I think we beat Ole Miss in an overtime game. Mm-hmm. Um, those kinds of moments uh, really stand out just because, uh, you know, all that work you put in during the summer and then for the weeks up to that moment really pay off in a single moment of bliss. Um but like um, even getting, you know, getting that call senior year for that, the bowl game invite that we're going to go to Houston. Um, Cause that's something I haven't been able to do was play in front of my, you know, hometown guys. And they were all, a bunch of them were able to come down for the game. You know, even though we, you know, weren't able to pull out the win, it was still, you know, a great feeling playing in, you know, in the, the Texan stadium and then playing in Houston. Um, and then, you know, being able to see my friends after the game, it was something, you know, kind of like once in a lifetime things that, you know, done a little, don't you know happen a lot and so obviously super disappointing the the outcome of the game but was you know uh felt real blessed to be in the situation that I was in that I'll be able to play at Vanderbilt that long and play in that situation and then you know have the kind of career that I did um but like all those moments and then you know the final one is like senior day um having a family on the field and then uh like the pregame ceremony or I think it gives you a second to like really reflect on um, everything that you go through in a, in, a, in, your, in your time at, at Vanderbilt and, you know, the ups and downs, all the late nights doing schoolwork and then the early mornings um, for football practice and then, you know, four years of camp and all that. So it was, uh, it's um, probably that one, one moment being on that field with my family is probably the, the biggest moment that, that, um, that's a leaps out to me. But there's, you know, so many great moments that happened during our time, my time at Vanderbilt, that's, you know, hard to really rank them all, um, you know, one after the other. But there's, you know, so many, so many great moments and so many special people to share them with. Yeah, you talk about ranking moments. A lot of people are doing that with Vanderbilt's next coach right now. They're starting to figure out right. their list and, and, and you know, pick out which guy they like. Um, you know, with you, with your experience under Coach Mason, he's there for seven years, um, and, and the direction it went obviously took him to two bowl games. But we all know it was it was not trending in the right direction. Um, you know, most people are of the opinion that it was the right move. And, and yes, mm-hmm. you know, Coach Mason did so many good things. But right now, Vanderbilt's entering a new era, which is really exciting, you know, but also, you know, it's, it's a very important hire. So for you, Dare, almost called you Dio for you, Dare, um, what, who, who, I don't want to go, you know, you can get into specific specifics with the head coach, but what kind of a head coach do you think Vanderbilt should bring in, in terms of a mentality, whether that's offense, defense, you know, in terms of their entire personality? Um, uh, I think after seven years of Mason, um, I think, um, you know, as much as I love Coach Mason, you know, sometimes things just come to a natural conclusion. It's one of those things. So um, in terms of personality, uh, I, I mean, I, I would say they would go after more offensive-minded head coach. Um, and then, but per- specifically one that's able to, and I'm sure you've heard this, but one that's really good at energizing, you know, programs, ones that's 
mm-hmm. you know, vocal leaders. Um, it's there's there's a it's hard to recruit in the SEC to say the least, and then also have your in-state rival be Tennessee just because of you know money or you know prestige that goes in a program. So it's one, it's someone that has a lot of uh, hype surrounding them, and I think that has a there's a lot of that has that small school mentality. You know, those guys from like App State or, you know, Boise State that have obviously want to play the big teams week in and week out and want to go go anywhere and play anyone kind of mentality. Um, but more importantly than that, I think we need that same kind of investment and energy back from the school. I think a lot of mm-hmm. people have said the same thing that, um, you know, Vanderbilt, the Vanderbilt, you know, over like oversight body or whatever, like the the boards mm-hmm. of directors don't um, view athletics in general more more than just football, but athletics in general. Even with like the baseball team, the baseball team had to like fight and scratch and claw for whatever upgrades they had, mm-hmm. and most of that even came from David Price funding it. So um, I think the the our um, our over our overreaching body of board of directors has that kind of uh, standoff standoffish view towards athletics and i don't know where that comes from or what it wants to be um but like seeing they need to see athletics as a as a benefit and a an an investment opportunity for the university because that's how you get a lot of kids um to your schools you have good athletic programs because you know kids want to have that full college experience of being if they're not going to play sports they want to be able to go to sports games and have a team that they can be proud of um and root for like you see with our baseball team like people come out to those games and watch Mm -hmm. them like uh, whether that's people in the city or the students um, that are attending the school. And then even with our basketball team last year, we had a hot start in that place or, or maybe it was two years ago. Um, either way, but like back when they did Darius Harlan and Aaron yeah. Nathan was going out this year, you had Memorial really full and people were coming to the games to watch them. So people would want to come see a good product on the field. And I think if you show that good investment, um, that same investment and spirit towards your student athlete population, um, you get a better student athletes, put a better product in the field, and you get more people that want to attend Vanderbilt um, because you get another reason to attend Vanderbilt is that they have very competitive sports teams. So I think um, that kind of combination. So we got to get someone that will energize um, people that might um, have like a, a lethargy towards the program just because of the last couple of years. And then also, you know, be able to sell the position to that person because you know you see a lot of uh, a lot of like other coaches have left programs that have been way more funded and felt that they yeah. were being supported enough by the by the uh, by the school so um you know just having that showing that resolve that you see you have um both both parties basically have each other's backs going into the year and going into the hires so you have an ex- expectation of the coaching staff and then the coaching staff has an expectation of the university. And so something to you know, work off from there and not just we're trying like, you know, everyone's as much as you want to fight um, on your own, you still need help from outside. And then that's what it's all about. I think. Yeah. You got to get help from the top and, and that's where it all starts at Vanderbilt. You know that very well. Dare, thank you so much. It was a pleasure uh, for you joining the podcast. Uh, you know, just such a great career out of Vanderbilt and still beloved. Uh, thanks for joining again and tell Mama always said hi. Hey, yeah, we'll do. Thanks for having me on, guys.